We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Can we give all the guys serving a hand, hosting team, the band, creating an awesome environment? I love the fact that people um, sacrifice their time, their energy, and uh, learning songs and working stuff out and getting organised. It's quite a lot of hard work, actually, to be honest. <laughs> we come to church and they just do it, but they actually work pretty hard at it. And, uh, and it creates an environment for us to worship God, which is pretty awesome, isn't it? I think it's awesome. I reckon you could give them a better round of applause. Is that all right? That's awesome. Very, very awesome. Yeah, so greetings from Wellington. And uh, it's, uh, Wellington's often referred to as Windy Wellington by the ignorant outsiders. And um, uh, there's 365 days in a year. How many people are aware of that? Yeah, apart from elite year, obviously. But uh, 365 days in a year. And in Wellington, uh, it's only the wind is only gale force or more 100 days of the year. So uh, it really is hardly windy, uh, 100 out of 365. Uh, and uh, we have to, I have to get a new letterbox because apparently it blew away down the street. Uh, this weekend, but uh, greetings from Wellington. We're excited about what God's doing. I reckon um, it's a it's a great time to be alive. It really is a great epoch in God's plan. Uh, it's a great era to be alive. There's more Christians alive today than there are in all of history prior. There's more Christians alive now than there ever has been. If you add them all up together, there's more people becoming Christians every single day. The biggest Muslim country in the world, um, Indonesia. How many of you know, have heard of Indonesia? It's the largest Muslim country in the world, 100, over 100 million people in Indonesia. It's a pretty big place, right? Yeah, it's big. It's a big place, yeah. <laughs> oh, not as big as the Neden, but uh, it's a big place. But, you know, it's actually one-third Christian, uh, Indonesia is. Uh, people finding Jesus uh, is pretty phenomenal, isn't it? Uh, there's more, there's more um, you know, what, what was called communist China is changing dramatically and rapidly because the church in China is advancing so strongly, uh, not, not politically, not, not externally, but just actual lives being transformed. Uh, it's really one of the, it's the largest Christian population in the world is, is formerly communist China. And you know, the Christians in China are pretty awesome. They, there's this general movement in China. They have this understanding about how the world works. And they believe, many, many Christians in China believe that they will be the people who evangelize for them moving west, that they're going to evangelize the Muslim world. That's what they believe. They believe that the, the gospel has come through to China over time. There's a move of God in China. It's really about uh, influencing and impacting into the Middle East and the Muslim world. And this is why they believe that they're the ones to do it because they know how to die for their faith. Isn't that cool? I just got goosebumps just saying it. Like the reality is that we're in a we're alive. We're in this community of faith with Christians from all over the world, from all different cultures and backgrounds. But there's a sound arising that hey, it really is the season where God's going to move worldwide across cultures, all at the same time that we're going to see a transformational work. You know, in Wellington, we've got a simple vision that we want to have a measurable impact on the culture of our city. We don't want to have great services on Sunday. We want to transform Wellington. And, and we want to say that we're saying this in Wellington. By 2020, we want other people telling us that we're having a measurable impact on the city. Not us telling the city council how awesome we are. Not us telling the schools how awesome we are. Or not us telling the university how awesome we are. That's been our vision this year. By 2020, we want to have a measurable impact on the culture of our city. Do you know the Wellington Business Association have approached our young adults leaders? 
And they say, oh, you need to, you know what you do at the university party? So we do the Red Frogs at the university parties. I said, oh, we'd like you to do that every Friday and every Saturday night on Courtney Place. So three of my young adults leaders are being paid next year, by, from actually from October 28 onwards, they've been paid 18 hours a week each by the Wellington Business Association to run a safe zone on Courtney Place right in the middle of the mess. Why? Because we're actually already doing it. We're having a measurable impact on the culture of the city and other people are noticing. I believe that that's what God's calling us to do all around New Zealand, all around the world. Amen? Do you know, this is an international gathering. We're here this morning in Dunedin. This is an international gathering. Well, you know, it's great to see Austin and Brigitte and the kids here. Well, I know Austin from London. That's where I met him. It's awesome, isn't it? We've got the amazing Keenan Stevenson. You know, me and Keenan lived in the same house in London, the actual same two-bedroom flat. Not at the same time, right? And there are many, many other people from Equivers have lived in that one flat. The landlord did really well out of the church. I think it was rented continuously for about 18 years by Equivers, all still under Mark Stevenson's name. So if anything went wrong, there was no problems. Uh, it's an international gathering, right? I know Pastor Willie from Paraparomu, you know. It's a, places all over the world here represented, you know. But, you know, God's doing something. God's doing something, gathering people together. It was awesome in the 9 a.m. service to catch up with a couple who shifted their family down to Dunedin from Wellington last year and to hear that they're doing well and they're excited about being involved in church and continuing to grow in God. I reckon God's doing something great. And I reckon we're, we should be excited that we got to be part of it. I love what the, the, the kids' leaders were saying. Is it, uh, is it Stacey? What she was saying? That God wants, God's our friend. I was like, yeah, that's a good sermon. And He wants us on His team. That's the whole Bible. He, God's our friend and He wants us on His team. Amen? Amen. Anyway, I'll get on with the sermon that I've prepared and uh, rather than just stealing Stacey's ideas and she can preach that another time. Anyhow, Grab your Bibles. We're going to read Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read a little bit of the book of Acts as well. And someone intelligent and brilliant has digitized the Bible for us here on the screen. So I'll read it there. It says this, that Jesus entered Jericho and He made His way through the town. It's really important that you understand that that little sentence is a really important part. Jesus came to Jericho. He didn't just go to Jerusalem. Jesus came to Jericho, you know, defeated, destroyed, apostate city. When the children of Israel came to the promised land, Jericho was torn down. And then the promise of God was that anyone who rebuilds it is going to lose their family and their heritage, right? So this is a cursed place. Jesus just likes to wander through that sort of place as well. We know that Jesus went to Jerusalem, right? Jesus loves church folks, but He also loves people like you and I, and He comes to our town, right? Jesus just doesn't just walk through our life on Sundays when we're in Jerusalem pretending to be Jerusalemites. He also comes walking through our lives when we're living in that cursed space. When we're dwelling in that darkness, Jesus likes to wander through those sorts of towns as well. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. The reality is this, he'd become very rich because he'd figured out a way to make life work. To be a, t- to be a tax collector was a good deal. Uh, financially, it was, a powerful, it was a powerful opportunity under the Roman Empire, right? So the, the Romans were brilliant administrators and what they figured out was it's very hard to get tax off people, right? We, fig- we still know this. Still very hard to get tax off people. I know Christians who don't like paying tax and I always ask them this. Which ambulance is it that you would like to run out of petrol? 
Is it the one coming to your house? Is that the ambulance you would like to run out of petrol? Which street would you like to have no repairs done on it, right? I tell you, all, all the tradesmen in our church, you should be celebrating how much tax you get to pay because you're making an impact in the world. Right? So this guy, anyway, he's a chief tax collector. That was a side point, just a political point there for you. Hey, the chief tax collector, and he's become very rich. So what, what happened was the chief tax collectors, they would bid with the Roman governors and they would, they would buy the tax collecting rights for a certain area, right? So it's like a McDonald's franchise, right? So he's got the franchise for Jericho and maybe the surrounding sort of region around that city. And then he would have sub-tax collectors who would take over different territories, look after certain street corners and manage things. Much how you might manage a drug distribution network nowadays, right? And then the Roman Empire would always want, they would want, from the region, they would want X amount of tax. Sorry to use algebra on a Sunday morning, but they would want X amount of tax. Uh, and then, uh, then, then, so what you would collect, if the Roman governor wanted X amount of tax, you would collect Y amount of tax. And then you'd just always make sure that Y is always greater than X. And therein lies your ability to become very rich. Now, the problem was that all the people you were collecting the tax from were your friends and relations. At least they were your friends before you got this job. Now they're just your relations, right? And there's a tendency in life to think that we're successful when we've figured out how to operate under the governing empire. We've figured out how to make life work for us. And the challenge for us as Christians is the same challenge that Zacchaeus found himself in. Just because you've figured out how to make the evil empire work in your life doesn't mean you're in a great space. Doesn't mean you're actually gonna live the life that you're called to. It doesn't mean you're gonna, that you're gonna feel satisfied, that you're gonna feel happy, that you're actually gonna walk out into, into a destiny that God's called you to. A whole lot of Christians, because they've got a good amount of money going into their Kiwi Saver, they're paying off their mortgage, they've got a batch in a nice place, they reckon they've got it sorted. Now we're gonna be happy because we've got it all working. Well, the point here from this story is that even though you've figured out how to make the evil empire work, it doesn't mean you've actually met Jesus yet. It, there's something more for us to get a hold of if we'd have our hearts open and say, well, Jesus is walking through town. And this morning, I wanna challenge you. Come on, Jesus walks through church on Sundays. Right? Jesus walks through church on Sunday and some people's lives are transformed. Everybody's life could be transformed. All of us can go out of here with a, a, a greater revelation of God, a, a deeper understanding of His love, a more empowered sense of His presence with us on a daily basis, right? But my experience has been that not every time I come to church do I actually embrace God and experience the reality of who God is uh, because... Even though we try to get a look at Jesus, we're too short to see over the crowd. There's always a crowd. It's okay for some of us here, right? If you're, if you're taller than average, you actually only have to be a couple of inches taller than average. Well, you need to be that much taller than average. As long as your eyes are above the heads of the people around you, then you can see, right? But for the rest of us, we can't see what's going on. Now, I suggested in the morning service that an option in this situation would be to grow eyes on sticks like snails, Right? That's one option, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, there's only a few people who are interested in that in the 9 a.m. service. I imagine this is a more sensible organisation, a more sensible congregation here. Uh, there would nobody interested in having bug eyes like that, right? So this is what Zacchaeus does. He runs ahead, climbs a sycamore fig tree beside the road, and Jesus was going to go past that way. Verse 5 goes on, and Jesus comes past, and He looks up at the tree, and He sees Zacchaeus there, and He calls him out, Zacchaeus! 
come down, I must be a guest at your home today. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down out of the tree, took Jesus into his house with great excitement and joy, but the sinners in the crowd were displeased, or the religious folks in the crowd were displeased, sorry. And they said, he's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood up before Jesus, this is at lunch now, and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated people in their taxes, I like that, if, if I've cheated, if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son, oh, excuse me, a true son of Abraham. Awesome. If we jump ahead in our Bible to uh, the book of Acts in chapter 17, this is the Apostle Paul. He's travelled uh, into sort of, um, he's just sort of hit Europe for the first time, got kicked out of there. He's found himself in Athens hiding out. Uh, and he's preaching and discussing and debating with the Athenians about the reality of the divine presence of God. The, the, they've got an altar there in Athens to the unknown God. And then Paul's explaining to them that this unknown God is a God that we can know, right? And so he says that the unknown God is a, the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He's the Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. I'm always struck by the reality that we get to worship the God who made the world and everything in it. We're not worshipping our theology. We're not worshipping our faith. We're not worshipping our church structure. We're not worshipping our system. We're not worshipping our grey walls and tidy carpets. We're not worshipping any of those things. We're worshipping the God who created the heavens and the earth, the ruler of all things. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. And He doesn't live in man-made temples and we can't even serve His needs because He's got no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything and He satisfies every need. From one man, God creates all the nations throughout the whole world. And He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and He determined their boundaries. We worship this unknown, unknowable God. He's, he's, he's become knowable us in, in Jesus. This God who creates heavens and earth also wandered through Jericho. Right? And God decides beforehand the boundaries of our habitation, it says in the old translations. He decides when we're going to rise, when we're going to fall. He decides what nations are going to be powerful, what nations are not. He decides who's reproducing and who's not. He decides who's migrating here, who's migrating there. He decided where we'd be born, when we'd be born and who our parents would be. He determined the detail of our life for specific purposes. How come when Jesus walks through Jericho, He sees a weirdo up a tree and He goes, Hey, Zacchaeus. Because the God who made heaven and earth also made Zacchaeus decided exactly where he would live, exactly what he would look like and exactly what his name would be. And he knew that he would be happen to be up a tree on the day he walked past. Do you know this morning, God, you're in the middle of God's intricate and detailed plan of salvation for your life. The intricate and detailed plan of God's salvation for all the world doesn't revolve around you, but it involves you. God's decided when you'd rise and when you'd fall. And His purpose in all of this, thanks AV team for your patience there, was that nations would seek after God and perhaps they would feel their way towards Him and find Him, even though He's not far from any one of us because He's just walking past. 
He's not far from us, but we've got to seek Him. For in Him we live and move and exist as some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. Let's pray. And then I've got a couple of observations to make. Thank you, Jesus, for your awesome presences here. The Holy Spirit, that you're in this place. The God who made heaven and earth, Lord God, that you're here amongst us. And Lord, I pray that this morning as we reach towards you in our thinking, as we open up our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd be our teacher and you'd be our guide. Lord, we thank you that as we look into the perfect law of liberty, Lord, we are transformed from glory to glory by your Spirit. Lord, we pray for that transforming power. We pray for your work amongst us. In Jesus' name, Amen. I mean, the first thing I want to point out is the simple fact that, that, the, that the divine presence of God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is closer to us than we think. He's near to us. The Bible says that He's near to the brokenhearted. His ears are attentive to their cry. We would like to think that God is far away sometimes because then it would feel like we could get away with stuff, right? But the reality is that Jesus comes walking past. Jesus is someone that we can bump into on the street. Jesus is, Jesus is someone who, who knocks on our door. Jesus is someone who's approaching us. I'm always struck by this idea that, we, that we're trying to seek God and we hear it in the Acts thing that, that we're, we're trying to reach our way towards God. Have you ever had a friend who's really seeking God in a difficult decision? Have you ever had a friend who's, oh, I really don't know, I really don't know what to do. <laughs> One of the things I get to do is to talk to people, sometimes in difficult moments and sometimes just in everyday moments. And as I was talking to one guy and he's like, really wants to do the right thing and he really wants to live a life that honors God. And so I said to him, I said, maybe you should shift out of your flat that you're flatting, you know how you're flatting with your girlfriend? F- flatting? With your girlfriend? That's there. Apparently they're flatting. That's what they're just flatting. It's like, okay. How do you know I actually understand what that flat, what flatting is? Like I know, like I'm, yeah, yeah people don't realise pastors know things. Uh, I just know how, yeah, anyway, you know. I said, so it says, you know, you really want to follow God, you want to honour God. Oh, yeah, totally. I said, well, have you thought about maybe just getting a different flat? Finding somewhere different to live? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'll think about it. I'm really, really going to seek God. I'm going to seek God about that decision, right? People seek God about what to do with their money. Oh, I'm really, I'm really seeking God. I really need God to bless me uh, in, in, in what I'm doing. I always say, well, why, do you, why don't you um, do what the Bible says and, and, and give 10% of your income to God? And people are like, oh, yeah, no, I really, I'll think about that, Pastor. I really will think about that. Uh, have you ever asked your kids to do the dishes and they've said back to you, you know, well, I'm just going to seek you on that and... Uh, you know, you say, you say to your 12 year son, you need to mow the lawns. And your son says, you know, I'm just, I think I'm just waiting for the right moment. You know, Dad, I, I know that you've spoken, but I'm just waiting for that right moment, you know? Right, so often we approach God like He's distant. For some strange reason, we like to keep Him at arm's reach, but He's not positioned there. You read the whole Bible from Genesis right through to today, God's desperately trying to connect with His creation. He's trying to step into their space. He's made Himself available. He's opened up the door. He's positioned Himself in the middle of creation. He's positioned Himself in the middle of humanity, right? God's right in amongst us. Even if you're in Jericho, hiding out in a cursed city, Jesus likes to come wandering through. Why? We can stay and we can just stay with our life. We can stay in the monotony or we can understand that actually there's, we have access to a whole different way of living. We really do. We have access to a life that's got purpose. 
We have that access to a life that has meaning. Not a, not, a, not a sort of a spiritual meaning, like a real meaning. Like a life that has meaning in every day where we can bump into people in our lives and we can actually impact them for good. You know, we're, we're dropping the kids off at school goes from just being monotonous routine to opportunities for the Holy Spirit to minister into other people's lives. The difference is, the difference is night and day, massive difference. But the change is minor just in our heart. This is like, I'm going to position myself for this life of purpose. Right? Because God's surrounding everything we do. Heaven surrounds all of our existence, right? In Him we live and move and we have our being, but we can do that without any regard for His presence. Why? The reason, the reason that even though God's so accessible, we sometimes miss it is because we're too short to see over the crowd. Well, I'm at average height and I wouldn't, I wouldn't literally, I literally wouldn't want to be any taller than I am now, right? Because cars are just not designed for people much taller than me. Uh, long haul travel is just not suitable for people taller than me, right? It's just, un, it's just unhelpful. So, oh, you know, I see a real tall person. I used to be jealous of them. Now I just feel sorry for them. You know, just like, you know, my brother's a bit taller than me and he, like, he's size 13. And that's right on the verge of just like, when he sees a pair of size 13 shoes that look okay, he has to buy them. Uh, because it's like, everywhere else it's like, oh, we only go to 12. Oh, we only go to 12. You know, whereas I am nine, size nine and a half. I can choose whatever shoes I want, right? And this, yeah. And I chose these. Well, Chrissy chose these. I can choose whatever shoes Chrissy tells me to choose. <laughs> write that down, young fellas. Write that down. You don't get married for 20 years by choosing your own shoes. That's metaphorical. Don't choose your own shoes. But we're all crowded out. It doesn't matter how tall you are, you're crowded out. We're either crowded out by our hurts and disappointments for the past, our worries and our fears for the future, or our difficulties of today. Everybody in this room right now, if, if, if you, you don't have to think too hard about things that you, that you regret from the past that actually distract you from Jesus. You don't have to think too hard about the things you're worried about in the future. It might be the future, i.e. this afternoon. Like, man, oh man, what time, you know, what are we going to have for lunch? Like real big worries like that. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, or, future, you know, or other ones like, you know, nuclear war. So, <laughs> less of a problem because if it happens, it happens, right? After that, you know, your still biggest problem is going to be what are you going to have for lunch? <laughs> but it'll just be this, what are we going to have for lunch now that everything's poisoned by nuclear fallout, Right? <laughs> Whereas now it's, what are we going to have for lunch? It's terrible trying to decide for lunch because my friends all want different things, right? So either way, same problem. What are we going to have for lunch? And it crowds out our thinking, right? The difficulties of the day, the worries of the future, the hurts and the disappointments of the past, right? We'd like to think, we'd all like to think we're a special case and life's harder for us. So much easier for Pastor Willie. Intelligent, good looking, brilliant. I'm running out, I'm running out, I'm running out. Funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's easy to think. It's easy for so-and-so. It's easy for them. It's easy for them. It's easy for them to say. But the reality is this, come on, we've all got crowded. We've all got a crowd, but we've also all got trees we can climb. How many people were in the crowd? By definition, a lot. It's like, there was this big crowd. There's a crowd of people, you know, three or four people there, you know? (laughs) 
So you know, he just goes crowded out. I don't think he was particularly short. He was just crowded out. You don't, you're not particularly useless. You're just crowded out. You don't lack faith. You've just been crowded out. You don't, you're not, you don't despise God. You just, it's just crowded out. You're not a weak Christian. It's just crowded out. You're not, you're not an evil person. You've just been crowded out. You're not completely broken. You've just been crowded out. All you need to do is find a tree and climb it. Now, this is a crowd of people, but the story is not about the crowd. It's about the one person who is prepared to climb a tree. Now, there's a lot of problems around climbing trees. Number one, falling out of trees is a real possibility. You can't fall out of the tree that you don't climb. Right? The reason I think sometimes we don't push ourselves to reach out to God is because we're actually disappointed the last time we did it, we did fall out of the tree. Right? We're worried about, oh man, if I, if I, if I believe God for something, if I, if I step out and choose to live a life of faith, maybe, maybe it won't work. Do you mean, well, standing around in the crowd's not working either, is it? Right? You know, we could just end up stuck in just the treadmill of just keeping on doing the routine. Or we can say, no, come on, there must be a way to actually get a bit of a view of Jesus here. Get a bit of a clear view beyond some of these things that are distracting us, holding us back. Um, you know, one of the challenges about trees, climbing trees, and the reason we don't do it very often, is that to, to climb a tree, you have to first get down off your high horse. Yeah, I, we always go to the, um, well, always, we usually go to the dawn service in Wellington for the Anzac Day services. But one of the guys in our church actually, he like leads those services. And uh, so I was like, oh, I'll be there, you know. And um, sometimes it's like, sometimes this actually is just too early in the morning. Uh, but, you know, usually, uh, usually because it sort of starts like well before dawn, you have to be there. So usually we're, you know, among the, you know, we're probably like the, we're the family 45,000 45,000th to get there. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and you have to park your car halfway out of town and walk and everything like that. And so I've been to the dawn service year after year after year and I've only seen it one time. Like the rest of the time I've just been near, near when it was happening around the corner. Uh, you know, I just, and the kids are like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, it's just around the corner there. The, the, you know, the voices you can hear, that's, they're, they're around behind that building. You can hear them talking, right? But one of the things I've noticed at the dawn service, there's always, one, there's always someone up a tree or on a bus shelter. So I think in Wellington on the 100 year, there was 45,000 people at the um, Carillon in town, uh, which is a pretty big church service. And um, 45,000 people there and everyone's there. Nobody can see what's going on apart from the people at the very front, right? No one else can see what's going on. But there's only two people up a tree out of 45,000 who are like, oh, I don't care what anyone else thinks, I'm going to climb the tree. The rest of us will be New Zealanders. So like, air travel in New Zealand takes twice as long as anywhere else in the world because it's like everyone's like, oh, no, after you, oh, after you, mate, after you, mate, oh, after you, mate. But it's only Pastor Bruce and Willie you were like. <laughs> Pastor Willie's like, old lady, old man, get out of it. Right? Everyone else is like, oh, after you, mate, oh, after you, mate. What about those who we need to stuck at? We've got a four-way stop sign in Cuba Street. There's a four-way stop sign, stop sign, stop sign, stop sign, right? There's car- Since they put those in, the same four cars have been there the whole time. <laughs> oh, after you, mate. They're just ringing friends. Bring me food. I'm stuck at the stop sign. The reality, come on. The reality is we've got to, come on, let's stop being, let's stop being embarrassed and start getting the salvation that we need. Let's stop being weird about it and just be weird. How weird is it trying to pretend not to be weird when you actually are weird? That's really weird. 
The weirdest people are the people who think they're not weird and everyone thinks they're weird and everyone knows, oh, you know, come on, the reality is, come on, we're weird. Here we are, it's Sunday morning. What are we doing here? We're in an abandoned bistic factory that someone's tidied up. And you're listening to me talk. Why? Because we know that a gathering together as a community is a tree worth climbing. This is a tree worth climbing because you get a view above your crowd. This is the, probably some of us the only time in the week where we get up above some of our worries, some of our hurts, some of our difficulties, and we get to see Jesus more clearly. We can do that in our own time reading the Bible, but how many know that that's not as easy as you think, as it, as it sounds? We can get together in our e-group, Right? But these are, this, is all, this community is nothing more than a fig tree that we can climb on where we get a view of Jesus, where Jesus can work in our world. Amen? Do you know, I reckon my favourite aspect of the story is, is that Zacchaeus climbs the tree, so he engages faith, and then he gets called by God. By name, he gets called by God. Not like a prophecy from the pastor. Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus. The creator of the heavens and the earth goes, oh, Zacchaeus, I've been meaning to catch up with you since before the creation of heaven and earth. So Zacchaeus exercised faith. He connects with the call of God, but he was transformed at lunch. Do you know church won't transform your life? E-group won't transform your life. Do you know what? A relationship with Jesus will transform your life. But you're not going to get there. I just don't think you're going to get there without a tree to climb. It's our relationship with Jesus that's transforming. But we've got to engage faith around some of the things like going to church, reading our Bible, praying. These are our faith actions. You know, one of the things we miss sometimes in the modern world because we're sort of romantics. We think that faith is is a feeling. Like I feel, I feel like I've got faith. Faith has got zero feelings. It's got zero feeling. It's completely, completely senseless in that sense. Faith doesn't feel anything. Faith doesn't think anything. Faith is action. You don't have faith. You do faith. Like you do it. Like when you give, your faith is measurable. You either gived it or you didn't give it. We either praised God or we didn't praise God. We, we, we either believed for salvation or we didn't believe. Like we, we either acted like it's all real or we acted like it wasn't, right? There's not, there's not like, well, I feel, I feel really faithy today and I don't, I don't, but I didn't feel very faithy last Sunday. No, the faith is just you do it. You've, you're feeling whatever you're feeling, right? How do you know you can feel good and do good? You can feel bad and do good. You can feel good and do bad. Right, but it's the do that matters, right? You're not going to get arrested for feeling dangerous, right? <laughs> You've got to get arrested for driving dangerous. Come on, it's not how you feel that's going to matter. Oh, hey, but hey, he looked at me funny. Well, no one, go to the police, make a complaint, nobody cares. Right, come on, it's the same with faith. God's not, God's not caring how you're feeling. God's not like, oh, you know, really, come on, if you feel good about things, you'll be saved. No, it's your faith that engages us in salvation. We don't know how Zacchaeus was feeling. We know what he did. He was crowded out, so he climbed a tree. Everybody else in the crowd was crowded out and stayed in the crowd. Well, Pastor, I'm just having a bad time. Well, why? Why have a bad time? Why, why call it a bad time even? 
Well, because it's, it's in the bottom 50% of the times I've had. Why do we have a bell curve on our experience? Oh, this was fantastic, and this, all this is sort of okay, and, and this is terrible. But just, uh, just say every day is zero. Every day is zero. Some of them are better than others, but they're all okay. Oh, but no, yesterday was better than today. Well, that's okay, but it doesn't mean today's bad. Oh, but I've got no money. Okay. Do you know what? You might get some more tomorrow. Right? And, and do you know what? There's, I think there's like morning tea after this. Hide in the toilets, so you'll have somewhere to live. <laughs> Once everyone's locked up, I don't know if they set an alarm, you'll find out. <laughs> Just don't move, eh? Actually, what you do is you move really slowly. Your friends have told me when you're doing burglaries, you just move really slowly. Are you right? But how slowly? Who knows? You have to find out. Find out. That's a, that's a bit of homework for you. But, but come on, why are we doing that? Oh, this is a good day. This is a bad day. It's just a day. Why, are we, why do we have to rate everything? Come on, this is the reality. We're all crowded up by stuff. We've got to get up a tree and build, position ourselves in a position where we can see Jesus because until we get there, we're never going to be able to build a relationship and find that transformation in everything that we're doing. Amen? Amen. I think I'm sort of running out of time. Um, and then I'm actually running out of energy, so let's be fair. Uh, musicians, why don't you come now uh, and uh, we'll close in prayer. Otherwise, I'll, otherwise, I won't get to the end of the prayer. I'll be just like, oh, Dear Jesus. I'm not used to talking so much, you know, so I talk. Very man of very few words, Ryan. <laughs> I had an operation on my lip a couple of weeks ago, and the doctor's like, you'll be fine as long as you don't talk too much. I was like, okay. It worked out fine, so clearly I don't talk too much. So. Maybe close your eyes and just have a look. Let's, we've got keyboards playing now, so let's be reflective. <laughs> That's our cue. Reflection time. Bing, bing, bong. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Come on, what's crowding you out? Come on, Jesus takes away our past. So a bunch of you people, bunch of you people, bunch of us this morning, <laughs> a bunch of us this morning, we're actually still holding on to stuff that God's forgotten about. I really feel like there's, a, there's a, at least six or seven people here that your actual, your daily experiences, internally, you're, you're beating yourself up about stuff that God's forgiven you for. And can I just tell you this, whoever that is, can I tell you this? God's not giving you a hard time. So, so maybe you could give yourself a break as well. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your grace. I just want you to imagine yourself just growing a, just growing a bit taller. I don't want to... I have been doing this. I've been making light of the difficulties of your life. And I don't know what the difficulties of your life are. And I've been doing that to make a point. My point isn't that your life's not as bad as you think it is. My point is that Jesus is greater than whatever you're going through. Lord, put faith in our hearts. Lord, we choose to trust you, Jesus. Lord, we know that you're 
sacrifice on the cross was more than enough to cover our sin, give us access to grace, give us access to Your presence. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord God, that we'd see You more clearly. I guess there's a bunch of us in in this position where we're totally crowded out by stuff. And I want to give you a chance to respond in faith, not simply because just like Zacchaeus did, he just ran down the street and climbed a tree. There's nothing magical, mystical or special about that. It's just a... It was just a thing He did to get up above it. Some of us are crowded out by stuff. Some of us are trapped in the hurts and pain of the past. Some of us are trapped in our worries for the future. And some of us are trapped in our difficulties of today. And what I want you to do is, just, just before I pray, I just want you to stand to your feet. Just imagine yourself climbing a tree. Just say, I'm going I'm to stand to my feet. I'm getting up above some of those things. Just jump to your feet wherever you're standing. If, it were, if whatever's crowding you out, doesn't, it doesn't, it's not so much about what it is, it's about your action of faith that says, I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to step up above these things. You can, you can pretend to climb a tree if you want, but the reality is just step up and maybe just lift your hands as again a sign of surrender, reaching out to God. Holy Spirit, we just thank you, Lord God. You can do in this place what my words can't do. You can do in this place what our faith doesn't do. But our faith now, by standing, Lord God, we're connecting with you and saying, Jesus, we need to see you more clearly. Lord, we know that you walk through towns like ours as well. Lord, you walk through hearts like ours as well. And Lord, as these guys are standing, Lord, I pray a gift of faith would enter their heart by the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you'd begin growing in them, Lord God, that faith. But more than anything, Lord God, I pray that here you call their name. Lord God, you determined the boundaries of our habitation. You decided we'd be here this morning. Lord, I pray right from the back to the front, all these guys standing, Lord God, I pray. As they stand, Lord God, they'd feel themselves lifted above that crowd. Lifted above the noise. Lifted above the the pressure of day to day. Just imagine yourself on a treadmill. You know on the treadmill? When you're jogging on the treadmill? There's always that big red button that just says stop. I just feel the Holy Spirit just banging that. And you're just like, oh. That's been a long time running and 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 and getting nowhere. The Holy Spirit's just stopped your treadmill so that you can get off the treadmill and just walk with Him. Come on, mums. The Holy Spirit's stopping your treadmill. The world has put you on this treadmill. The Holy Spirit's stopping that treadmill so that you can walk with Him. Jesus, we thank you for your grace that's here. Come on, everyone in the room, why don't you stand? Let's lift our hands. Come on, it's our relationship with Jesus that's transforming us. Right across the room, let's lift our hands. Let's open our hearts to Jesus. Let's just reflect. Just imagine this guy, Zacchaeus. He climbed a tree one morning. And by lunchtime, he stands up and oh, his whole reality has changed. He's gone from doing everything to gain and now he's a giver. He's gone from working the system now to subverting the system. Come on, where are you stuck? Where are you stuck? The Holy Spirit's going to set you free. Jesus is going to work in your world. Right across the room, lift your hands. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for everybody in this space. And Lord, right now, Lord, we just thank you for lunch. We thank you that's not too far away, but we thank you, God, that we have a relationship with you. Lord God, that in our daily walking, in our daily working with You, 
our everyday lives with You, God, we thank You that You transform us. That Jesus, Your faithfulness, Your faith saves us. Lord God, we're not You. We're not here to rely on our ability to do religious exercises. We're here doing the religious exercise because we believe in You. We believe in Your grace to transform us and set us free, Lord God, to change the direction, the trajectory of our lives, Lord God. We know that You do that. We know that You're here doing that. We trust You, God, that today is our day with destiny. Today You transform our lives and move us again forward into Your purposes and into Your plans. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.